Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. It's time to celebrate this messy decade and to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end, because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. My guest today is the glorious Luke McLaughlin. When I first asked Luke to come on the podcast, his immediate response was, I don't even remember half of my 20s. And it's really no surprise as to why. A party animal with a thirst for fun, he used the decade to let loose, travel, party, explore, eat, drink, and venture a little or a lot on the wild side. From running a nightclub with some uni mates in Ibiza to spending all of his earnings on a camper van and travelling around, Luke never seemed too bothered about where he was going, but was most definitely enjoying the journey. After years of spending every day like it was his last, at 25, Luke began working in pharmaceutical sales. What with his infectious personality and classic northern friendliness, it's no surprise that he excelled in this avenue and quickly worked his way up the corporate chain. However, a couple of years ago, Luke decided to embark on a dream which he had laid to rest a long time ago. Inspired by all of the eating and drinking on his travels, he decided to open a restaurant. A task which would seem daunting to many seemed only too much of a good opportunity to miss for Luke. So, a year later, with the help of co-founder Sherry, that's exactly what they did. And just like that, the Spread Eagle was born. Not only with the reputation of being the first ever all-vegan London pub, but after a jam-packed press night, several critically acclaimed reviews and television appearances, their creation has led to thousands of very happy customers, myself included. Luke's journey from an excitable 20-something to a profound pub owner is one which not even he could have anticipated. Despite not having a clue where he was going or what he wanted to do, he's come out the other side with a gorgeous family, a buzzing work life, and not to mention some considerable hangovers. Luke, it's so great to have you here. Hey Emma, how are you? <laughs> good, I'm very good. That, how are you? That was a glorious <laughs> intro. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm I'm excited to hear about all of um, your antics. Yeah, I don't really know what more there is to talk about. You pretty you summed it up pretty well, to be honest. Um, <laughs> as you outlined, I can't really remember a t- terrible lot from my twenties, but I know I had quite a lot of fun. I, in, in anticipation of doing this, I did go back through some old photos. And it was surprising how much fun I'd actually had. And I'd forgotten about half the places I'd been, you know. So, um, <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. So when you were a teenager then, looking into your 20s, mm-hmm. what, what, can you remember what you wanted as in like the most? I mean, all I wanted to do when I was a teenager was skateboard. I spent as much time as I could on my skateboard. And if I wasn't skateboarding, I was snowboarding. So... That was kind of my passion for maybe 10 or 15 years. Um, and that changed, I guess, when I went to uni. Um, you know, kind of uni is often the making of you, isn't it? So I went away to uni with my skateboard packed under my arm and all my baggy clothes and my dreadlocks. And um, yeah, discovered kind of another side of life, like partying and nightclubs and going out and enjoying myself. I didn't really drink much throughout my teens. So the uni life was kind of um, kind of a bit of a shock. I spent a lot of time drinking and smoking weed with my peers and not a lot of time actually doing any studying. But I had the best three years of my life. You know, it was fantastic. So no regrets there? No, no regrets at all, actually. I had a great time. And um, yeah, we used to put on some parties while we were at uni. Um, we were the second year ever to go and study at Lincoln University, which was brand new. So we were kind of... Um, put into this environment where nobody really nobody really understood students or knew what to do with them so there was a lot of bars and restaurants that wanted to take you know our money from us but didn't really want to put up with the hassle of having students 
drunk and disorderly. So it was it was an interesting time for the city of Lincoln, and it probably would have been a good place to have bought some property because I think um, yeah, the property market's exploded since we were there. So that, yeah, I bet. So that was up until kind of 2000, which is when I graduated. So at the age of 21, um, and as you outlined in your intro, I, I embarked on a journey to Ibiza. As soon as we finished, I'd spent the previous summer out there on my own for a couple of weeks, and I thought this this island's quite good fun. I should uh, probably spend a little bit more time here. Um, <laughs> that was um, that my last summer holiday from uni. I went home worked throughout the summer and then spent three weeks in Ibiza at the end before mm. going back to uni. So I always had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to go and spend some time in Ibiza. Um, but yeah, I bought, I bought a camper van and then drove from Manchester to Barcelona in 36 hours, nonstop <laughs> on the A roads because I didn't want to pay for any of the toll charges and got to the port in Barcelona and they didn't want to take us through without booking onto the ferry in Spanish because, you know, how stubborn some Spaniards can be at customs. And, um, yeah, kind of disheartened. Me and myself and my friend walked off and we thought, how the hell are we going to get to Ibiza now? We've come all this way. And we ended up bumping into a friend that we used to go to uni with who was working in a bar and she came after work and booked us onto the ferry. And then, yeah, the rest is history. It was like a whirlwind. Wow. That is such a cool, like, coincidence. If it weren't for her, wow. Yeah, I mean, ju- just before we bumped into her, we ended up locking. We had a we had a, a cage in the back that was drilled to the floor with all our belongings in, all like the stuff that we didn't want to get stolen, like passports and money and some records because my friend was going to DJ. And we broke the key off in the lock, and we had to go and get we had to go and get like a hacksaw from the shop. And we spent about six hours trying to hack through this this box that you're not supposed to be able to break into. So, yeah, we were lucky to make it, and I think. Um, yeah, without that persistence, we would never have got there. But but being in Ibiza, I, I met a lot of the people that have inspired me and that I've, I'm friends with and that are my peers now in life. So it was definitely the best trip, most worth most worthwhile trip I've ever made. Mm. I think a lot of people now, you know, you come out of uni and people either go traveling or they go straight into the nine to five. There isn't really an in-between stage that people want, at least. Um, did you find that like when you were traveling around that you felt a little bit guilty I guess for for just going traveling or was it something that you were like absolutely happy doing and and wanted to do for 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 a while I've always been fairly guilt free to be honest I wanted to go and enjoy myself and I felt as though I'd earned it you know being you know I went to um, a relatively strict school um, then straight on to uni where I was given the freedom to do what I want all of a sudden which was fantastic and then kind of from then on I've done whatever I wanted in life really um Love that. Yeah, uh, I, I felt like I'd, I'd earned a couple of years of enjoying myself, which is certainly what I went off and did. <laughs> That's so like nice to hear that you can just like sort of put to bed all of the things that you should be doing and be like, actually, no, I fucking deserve this. I'm going to go and have a good time. <laughs> yeah, totally. And totally. And I do that nowadays anyway. You know, even though I'm kind of grown up with many responsibilities, I've got a lot of bills to pay and mm-hmm. people that depend on me, I still like to let my hair down and just kind of throw caution to the wind occasionally. I think it's important that people do that. You need to let your hair down and just mm-hmm. and just relax, forget about the nine to five and just yeah, enjoy yourself. Absolutely. What's the best place you ever travelled to? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I like. I, I've been to Burning Man Festival a couple of times. Um, that was amazing. I've really got fond memories of that place. Um, got some fond memories of Central South America. Um, I don't know. It's it's a difficult question, really. 
<laughs> I guess it all depends on like who you go with as well, because a place is only as good as, you know, the company. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I spent kind of my 20s jetting off and going away for weekends and enjoying a lot of Europe and a lot of America, you know, whether it was going shopping or going to parties and stuff. Um, yeah, I've been very lucky. I don't think we're going to be able to travel like we have been able to, given the current situation. So mm. I feel lucky that I've got kind of a lot of that traveling done. So we'll have to see what the new world's like, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So with, um, I guess, coming back then from, how old were you when you when you finally got back to the UK and were like, right, I should maybe do some work work now? So I, I did two seasons in Ibiza and after the second season, I went off to live in Amsterdam for a little while. Um, oh, cool. And then I guess, yeah, I went out with a load of friends to Amsterdam and nobody really was getting down with it or people weren't getting jobs. So I ended up in this big like townhouse on my own for a couple of weeks at the end. And I thought, right, it's probably time. And it was really cold then. It was kind of winter time in Amsterdam and it was minus 20. And I remember all the canals were frozen. And I thought, you know what? I just want to go home now, I think. It's better mm. kind of I was in this big cold house on my own. So I went home and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. And my mum said when I came home, right, you need to get a, it's time for you to get a job. You've had a couple of years of enjoying yourself. So I was like, okay. And one of the neighbours, her son used to work for Coca-Cola. Um in, in the sales department and, and I don't know, he, he, I knocked up a CV and he submitted it and they employed me and I spent uh, about 18 months working for Coca-Cola. Oh, cool. Which was, which was interesting, which was like, it, you know, it's a big company, but it wasn't very corporate. It wasn't like a suit and tie. You could wear jeans and trainers and stuff. And I was just going around to the corner shops, basically persuading them to stock Coca-Cola and it was just giving me enough just giving me enough money to go and party at the weekend throughout that time I spent a lot of time over in Leeds because there was quite a good party scene in Leeds um and down in London with the girl that I was dating at the time so I used to drive down to London at the weekend in my Coca-Cola van where the <laughs> petrol was all paid for I'd used to set off kind of like Friday lunchtime-ish and then set back off Monday morning and go out all weekend enjoy myself right. um so you yeah must have been so exhausted yeah, it was. I mean, I used to sleep during the week, you know, just I didn't really get up, get up to much. But it was good because I, I then I got um, a job in, in a pharma company doing sales for a pharmaceutical company and ended up saving up a bit of money. And then I was able to purchase a house when I moved to London eventually in kind of 2005, 2006. So... Um, I had a few difficult times at home throughout that period. My mum and dad had been kind of happily married um, until 2003 and then they split up. So my mum left the house. So I, I felt kind of I ought to stay with my dad. He was a bit cut up at the time and we had a great time. You know, mm -hmm. lads at home. I was out most weekends, but when I was there or I was at, there in the week, we, you know, we'd have we'd have bar boozy barbecues every night and stuff, which I've got oh. real fond memories of that, actually. That was nice. I think it must be so difficult going through that in your 20s. I mean, parents splitting up at any age is obviously devastating. But at a time when you're sort of quite confused about what you're supposed to be doing and then that happens, it must have been quite um, quite a shock to the system, I guess. Yeah, it was. It was, I guess. But, you know, look, looking back, I was quite upset myself at the time, obviously. But mm. looking back, they're, they're so, both so happy now. So it was it was the right thing for them to do. And, you know, they've been together 
for a long time. And I've obviously brought myself and my brother up. So mm. I've got a real debt of gratitude to those guys for looking after me so well. So, Oh, that's so lovely. All's well that ends well, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you moved to London then? Yeah. So I moved to London in 2006 and I was pretty much coming down most weekends on the run up to that. Like I said, my, the girl that I was dating at the time lived down here. So yeah, moved down and then really kind of immersed myself into the London party scene, um, which was which was great fun. There was, you know, every weekend we'd bounce from club to club to club um, and, you know, really not really resent going home and resist it (laughs) you know it's kind of stupid now looking back but we had so much fun and we met so many cool people and you know the people we met we still see and you know there's this we've got friends in a lot of big cities all over the place so you know we used to go to Paris a lot and we have friends in Berlin and we're still I still was Skyping with some of my friends in New York at the weekend so yeah it's very international clubbing um, which yeah. I, don't, I don't think it happens much now, or maybe it does, but I'm just a bit no. old. I remember the first time I met you, we were in a, a club, and where, I was really, where were we? not old enough to be there. Do you remember we were in London? It was at that music event with my friend Angus, who you thought was my boyfriend. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was you, a nice um, guy. I liked Angus. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's lovely. Um, but <laughs> I was just shocked at like your boundless energy, and I was like, "How does this guy like?" go out so much and just literally just still you know have this much sort of enthusiasm for like sometimes I'll just go out and I'm like oh I'm just tired I'll go home now but I can't imagine you ever doing that (laughs) well I don't know you'd be surprised like kind of as I've got older and I've got more responsibilities you do kind of call it a day sometimes but um sometimes (laughs) yeah sometimes not always but I do like to I mean don't get me wrong Emma I've got friends that are a lot worse than I am so (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I don't know, I just just enjoy socialising and I I enjoy being out and being in the company of other Mm. people. That's why it's so hard at the minute. I can't go and see people and talk to them. And, you know, when I can, I've got to stay a certain distance from them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I guess we're also desperate to sort of do things with this decade, mainly because we're told to. But what would you say to someone who wants to travel wants to go and have fun but is nervous of sort of getting left behind I say that in inverted commas um I mean I'd say go and enjoy yourself but additionally don't put too much pressure on yourself if you don't feel as though you want to go and do something don't do it just do whatever you mm. feels right I suppose that's what I've always done and that, things seem to work out so yeah I, there is a lot of pressure on people, I guess, because they're like, this is your one and only chance. You, you know, you're going to have too many re- responsibilities later in life. I don't know. I can see myself spending a bit of time traveling over the next few years, if not the next decade. Um, mm. And, you know, when when my daughter was born, I took 16 weeks off and we went traveling and I worked remotely throughout that period. So you've just got to make the chances, I guess. You know, you just got to be smart about it and just do whatever you feel is right. Mm. Is that what you did with the the restaurant? Was was that something that sort of came to you and you thought, oh, I think I want to do that now? Well, I've always had kind of an infatuation with food. I've always really enjoyed eating and dining and drinking wine and going out for dinner um, and cooking. So I've always had something kind of, I've always had a passion for it. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I guess a little bit later than my 20s, in my 30s, we used to run... Um, events at parties so like we used to run a bar and do production and stuff at festivals 
and my business partner at the time thought, you know, we should we should actually get some bricks and mortar somewhere we can actually settle down where we're not going to get rained upon, where there's no mud, you know, where we can <laughs> lock and go home in the evening. And yeah, we thought about the idea of getting a, a pub and, you know, we thought it was a bit of a pipe dream. We, you know, she was dressed as a strawberry. I was drinking a pint of vodka backstage at a festival, sat in my car. And um, yeah, a couple of months later, the uh, the pub at the end of the road came, came on the market and um, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. That's so cool. I feel like so many people are like, oh yeah, I'd love to open a, you know, a restaurant or a pub and nobody ever does it. And the fact that you just sort of took that plunge is really inspiring. Like, like you, I, I certainly couldn't do it. Well, you do, I don't know. I think you probably could, but I mean, I did, I, I had the best support network with me, you know, obviously working with Sherry, who's, you know, helped me set up the pub and the restaurant and then bringing Meriel on board and having Melissa in the background, who's my partner, to to assist and encourage me and to kind of coach me through it has been amazing. So it's not something I probably would have done on my own, but, mm. you know, you just find yourself in the right situation with the right peoples, with the right, you know, the right opportunity presents itself and you just kind of got to s- seize the moment. Mm. Well, how come you went for the sort of vegan Mexican um, vibe? Well, I mean, I, I've always wanted to open, like, I've been passionate about vegan food for years. I've been vegetarian since my late teens or my early teens even. Um, so I wanted, I've always wanted to do something in that arena. Um, so when we took the pub on, I spoke to Mariel, who's run a successful vegan food company for, uh, you know, five, six years now and told her what was happening. I said, do you want to come in and do the food? Because I knew setting up a pub, business in itself difficult enough but the food side of things which is where my passion lies Mm. was going to be super difficult so I wanted it to get up and running and get somebody in to come and do that for me um initially at the Mm. at the moment we're in the process of um we've hired a chef and we've got a new menu launching as soon as we're allowed to reopen so that's (laughs) that's been the really exciting bit for me is developing the dishes and going to the tastings and designing a menu that's suitable and it's more it's more what I'd want to go and eat. So yeah, it's just, you have to do things in stages, I suppose. So I would have, ideally I would have liked to have launched like this initially, but it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been viable. I don't think. Mm. Oh, I'm so excited for when we can have more of your amazing food. When the uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to welcome you back. Honestly, I, if I want nothing more is than to open the doors of that pub, but oh. only time will tell us to when that will be. We don't know. Yeah. How have you found managing sort of the corporate, um, obviously your career still in pharmaceuticals and the pub like you must be so run off your feet a lot of the time yeah yeah I am and I do often some days I find myself doing you know a half job here and a half job there kind of just putting plasters on things rather than actually sort, sorting things out so it, yeah it's it's difficult it is difficult it's about time management I think and making the most out of things and get, getting people to do things for you if they're able to um, and empowering people to go and work on their own initiative because, y- you know, you can't do everything is what I've learned. So having mm. people that are competent and you trust in making decisions is is, is key. Mm. Did you feel like with your with the pharmaceutical career, I guess, that you were dissatisfied with elements of it, which is why the pub came about? Or did you just think, you know, what, I've got I've got the time I can just I'll just do both. Well, the thing with my corporate job is I kind of, I don't resent it, but I don't really enjoy it anymore. I've been doing it for, I don't know, 15 years now. And I guess 
I'm kind of at the stage now where it's it's I'm in a I'm in a lovely position in that I get paid well. I've got nice um, benefits and stuff like that. But I don't really. It's not my passion. It's not what I've ever wanted to do. And I don't think many people do know what they want to do. I still don't know what I want to do. I think I've not. I don't think I'm finished yet. That's for sure. You know, I've got a pub and a and a job in med tech. But I think <laughs> I, I definitely will have another career in me doing something else. I'm sure. But um, yeah, the answer is I don't really enjoy it. And if I could give it up, if I didn't need the money, then I probably would. But mm. you know, for now, it's 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 been a, it's been very very good to have it during the the recent um, lockdown because I've still sure. been having a steady wage that's been paying me, so we can pay the mortgage and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. I guess that is it comes down to it, isn't it? Because I, I mean, twenty something Luke, I'm sure would be thrilled to hear that he's owning a pub right now. Oh, I would have been ecstatic. Do you think it's something you've had to, you know, that you're glad that's come around at this time as opposed to, you know, ten years ago? Oh yeah, totally. I think I would have been too irresponsible to have done it ten years ago. <laughs> and I've, you know, I believe things come to you when you're ready for them. I think, you know, mm. there's many things I would have liked to have done sooner, but looking back i think everything's just happened at the right time and things unfold you know in the in the right in the right fashion mm. i find it so difficult to trust in that sort of um method <laughs> yeah I'm like i i need to make things happen for me now and it's like no sometimes waiting for them is, is the no, but that, that, that but that's good emma that you know that shows kind of drive and determination you know as well as a little bit of impatience it mean it means that you've got you, your eyes set on something. I think there's nothing worse than being passive and just seeing, you know, kind of living from day to day, mm. and not and not not aspiring to do or be anything, you know, more substantial. So, I think that's good. Mm. Do you do you call yourself a planner? Would you call yourself a? I don't think I am, but apparently, according to Melissa, my partner, I am. So, <laughs> um, I do. I, 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 I like to think things through and I will sometimes sit on things for maybe a little bit longer, but I, I always have a strategy and I like to play the long game rather than do things impulsively, I think. Mm. So I guess looking forward then, what, what else is on the to-do list? You know, you've, you've had your corporate career, you've got your pub, what, what's next for Luke? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, a couple of years ago, I got my um, powerboat license and, I've, and I want to get my sailing license as well. So I don't know. So I'd like to spend some time out at sea um, doing what I'm not sure. But <laughs> I dream of having kind of somewhere to live with a jetty at the bottom and a boat and just being in the sunshine. As you know, Emma, uh, I, I do like sunbathing and <laughs> re re relaxing in the sun. So yeah, I, I don't know. Get that vitamin D. Yeah, totally. Totally. So a bit, <laughs> a bit of time in the sun out at sea would be nice, I think. But yeah, I think that'll that'll all come in good time. So we're going to play Millennial Minesweeper now. Um, just a recap on the rules. So it's I'm going to read you out some different quotes that I've got off the internet or that I've made up, and you've got to distinguish which ones are which. Um, and they're all about sort of how we should be living life in our twenties, or facts about young people. Um, okay, does that sound good. Yeah, yeah. Let's give it a go. Cool. Okay. So your first quote is. You will make more mistakes in your 20s than in your 30s and 40s combined. That's off the internet. I actually made that up. Yeah. That's, it, sounds like, it sounds like something you'd read on the internet. Yeah, I right, know. I'm making it difficult for you. Sorry. <laughs> Do you agree with it? Um, yeah, probably. 
probably. Mm. I wanted to get your views on it because obviously you've lived through your thirties as well, and I mean, a lot of people. I was a bit late to develop. I made a lot of mistakes in my thirties as well, to be honest. So, <laughs> but I think as a general rule, I think you should definitely, you know, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. So yeah, I think nice. I think get out there and, and make mistakes. I'd say. <laughs> Love that. Okay, our next one is your desire to settle down is highest at age twenty six. Um, I, I, speaking from personal experience, I would say that isn't the case, but I don't know. Maybe that is on the internet. Yeah, that is actually on the internet, and it's published in an article called "These Are the Ages You're Best at Everything According to Science." Where was that? What, what website was that published on? I'm a bit. Genius. I just I read the uh, Google the article, and you'll definitely find it. Um, I mean, people are settling down later and having kids later and stuff. So that maybe maybe it's that might be an old article. I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe I was very surprised. Yeah, so I don't know. I th- I'm sure. I'm sure it's later than that, though, from my experience. Mm. Do you think that's the same for sort of your peers and things like that as well? Yeah, 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 for sure, for mm. sure. Yeah, when I read it, I was surprised because 26 seems very, very young. To I mean, what does settling down even mean? Exactly. That, you know, yeah, we need married. To, is that having a kid? That well, that, to me, that's a, to me, that's what it means. But I don't know. He's settling down finally, giving up bumming around the world and actually getting a job. Well, then, <laughs> may, if maybe, yeah, maybe, if, that was... <laughs> maybe if that's it, then 26 sounds about right. <laughs> uh, okay, and our last one is: When did the word average turn into the phrase "not good enough"? Uh, that sounds made up by you. Yeah, it was. Because I was thinking about it the other day and I, like going back to like GCSEs, I got like eight Bs and I was over the moon. I was like, that is bang on, you know, like Bs are just, you know, you're sailing through, that's fine. Or like, that's that's good for me, whatever. And then like a couple of years ago, I just thought I, I didn't get something. I didn't get a job or something. And I felt so below average and I, I thought of the word average and I was like when did that become like so negative and I was looking at sort of online stuff and it was just like I don't know it just used the word average in such a a negative way um yeah I mean I I mean I one thing I wouldn't aspire to be is average mm. it's kind of not that I want to excel at everything I just don't want to be considered middle of the road maybe my, my maybe my meaning of it's different to the you know what you're talking about but i don't like the word average there's no such thing yeah. as an average person or an average thing or you know it's just i think that's where it's had like a negative connotation because the word average does distinctly mean just like you're you're like doing okay yeah, yeah. so i guess if you want to excel then you'd need to be above average but I don't know. I, I see it, it a lot of the time in articles or things and it's used in quite like a negative way. And I don't know why, I don't know why that's happened. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, totally. Totally. Any other thoughts on words of wisdom, pearls of advice? Just go and enjoy yourself. Do whatever you feels right. I think don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't listen to what anybody else says. Just do what you want to do. <laughs> I think that's, that would be my advice to anybody of any age. And probably to myself as well right now. Love that. Just do what you got to do. And don't worry about what you want. You know, don't worry about where you're going or what you want to do, because I still don't know what I want to do and I don't know where I'm going to end up. So make sure you have fun. 
and lots of fun I intend to have. Thank you so much, Luke, for coming on the podcast. In case you guys were wondering, the Spread Eagle is in fact now open for business. Yes, takeaway only, but if you're fancying an indulgent animal-friendly treat, then definitely give them a call. You will not regret it. Thank you to the extremely talented composer and producer of this podcast, Pete Haff. And a big thank you to you guys at home for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, then please feel free to leave us a review. We absolutely love reading them and it helps more people find us. We'll see you next week.